Hey, thank you for being with us today and making us a part of your day. Welcome to the Quest. We're so glad that you stopped by to check us out, especially if you're just checking us out. Man, we're really glad that you're with us. We encourage you to scan the QR code that's right there. That QR code will pop up a link. That link will help answer some of the questions that you might have about who we are as a church. It'll also allow you to connect with us if, in fact, that's something that you want to do. We also understand that many people just stop by, check us out, and they want to visit from the back row without any engagement with us. And we understand that as well. If that's you, we're just glad that you're with us. We also want to encourage you and remind you that all of our talks are available in podcast form. All you have to do is search Fresno Quest Church and you'll find us there. So before we get into the talk today, I just want to pray with you. I don't know what's going on in your life, but God does. He knows exactly what you're dealing with. And he tells us to call on him when we need him. Not as a genie in a bottle, but out of relationship, out of like a father with a child. If you need something, go to your father. So let's do that together. Father, we love you and thank you for all your blessings in our lives. And we thank you for your presence in our lives. And Father, you know the, the struggles and the things that we're dealing with in our lives. Father, today we just surrender ourselves to you. We ask that you would speak deeply into our lives. Father, give faith to us. Give faith and strength and courage for the things that we're going to face today, for the things we have already faced today. Father, we choose you. We choose to hold on to you as our provider we choose to hold on to you as our defender and our protector. And Father, you know the needs of each person that's watching. I ask that you would step into their life as they exercise faith in you. Father, I just pray that you would come alongside them and rescue them. Give them strength. Provide for them all that they need. Father, as we look at this series and as we talk about our family, we ask that you would step into our families and make yourself seen and known. And Father, that your spirit would bring peace and strength to our families. Father, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're wrapping up a series that we've been in entitled Family Circus. And all of us at some point feel like our family qualifies to be a circus event, where people are watching from the outside for their entertainment. While we walk the tightrope of relationships without a net, while we drive the family around like a car full of clowns, while we juggle all the demands in life, and it feels like things are out of our control. Listen, as we've said, family can feel like a circus event. However, with God as a ringmaster, he can make it the greatest show on earth. I wanna wrap up this week's series by talking about doing marriage God's way. What does that mean and what does that look like? I mean, what? there are so many elements to this. I wanna look at one that I think is just super important if we're gonna do marriage God's way. If we're going to distinguish our marriage from somebody that does not know God, I think this is a key area. As we're looking at doing marriage God's way, I want to remind you of an important scripture that we've been looking at every week, and it's this in Malachi. It says, God, not you, made marriage. His spirit inhabits even the smallest details of marriage. So guard the spirit of marriage within you. And with that scripture, here's a point you can write down. God has a design for your marriage that requires Him to fill your marriage. God has a design for your marriage, and it requires Him to fill your marriage. That scripture says God's Spirit inhabits even the smallest details of marriage. Listen, you can have a great marriage without God. People do it all the time. But you can't have a godly marriage without God. God's purpose in our marriage requires God's presence in our marriage. Listen, we know this, but every marriage has challenges. And marriages don't just suddenly fall apart. 
It's a slow erosion over time of hurt and the lack of forgiveness, disappointment. So even though you might be left with disappointment, hurt, and discouragement in your marriage, here's something that's really important to write down, and that's this. Your marriage is worth your investment. It's worth your time and energy because marriage is about you and your spouse, and you both have great value to God. Listen, when we go through challenging seasons in our marriage, a great resource that's made available to us is marital counseling. But there's a, there's a warning that I have with marital counseling. I totally believe in it, totally support it, totally recommend it. But what tends to happen in marital counseling is both parties go into counseling seeking to win. The husband wants to win and the wife wants to win. And what happens is the marriage loses. See, you can win while the marriage loses. The problem is, is we go into marital counseling with a me agenda rather than a we agenda. So you can write this down. Marriage needs to be about we, not about me. Counseling doesn't work when we go into it to fix our spouse, when we go into it pointing fingers. Counseling doesn't work when I want to focus on my needs, my desires, my rights. See, in order for us to work, we have to be the focus. So I would encourage this, when you enter into counseling, a great and important question to ask is this, what does our marriage need? Not how do I fix my husband, not how do I fix my wife. What does our marriage need? That is an important question to pursue together. Then when we discover what our marriage needs, we can personally look at ourselves and our responsibilities to do our part in our marriage. As we begin to look at what a godly marriage is, I want to just start with something that I hadn't intended on, but I think it's really important, and that is when it comes to having a godly marriage, there's some godly myths. I wanted to just look at one of those, and one of the godly myths that people tend to buy into when trying to have a godly marriage is this, that God has a perfect mate picked out for us, and it's our job to find that person. The people that buy into this myth tend to buy into it because God created Eve for Adam, but that's kind of a stretch and it doesn't apply to every believer. I mean, think about it. If God has a perfect mate picked out for us and we choose wrong, well, we've just screwed up the whole universe and sent it into chaos. The only time that God told someone who to marry was when God told the prophet Hosea to marry Gomer, who is the prostitute. And the reason that he did this was to give the picture of two things. One, that God loved Israel even though Israel had been unfaithful to him. And it was also a picture of Jesus' love for the bride even though his bride had been unfaithful and basically slept with the enemy. And the bride of Christ is the church and that's you and I. The guideline that God gives us as believers is to marry a believer. You have free will, you have a choice, you can pick who you want to pick, but God says you need to pick a believer. And the scripture points this out, it says, do not be yoked together with unbelievers, do not be joined together. Yoked is a picture of cattle and the, the yoke that they wear that binds them together and keeps them going in the same direction, that, that causes them to work as one, that causes them to function as one. And God says, don't be joined to an unbeliever. Here's another translation that says it this way. Don't be teamed with those who do not love the Lord. 
For what do the people of God have in common with the people of sin? How can light live with darkness? And you might be thinking, okay, wait a minute, Dave. What happens if I have married an unbeliever? What if I've jacked it up already? I would encourage you to read 1 Corinthians 7, 13 and 14. It shows and tells us that God can redeem any marriage and tells us how to do that. I encourage you to look that up. See, when we buy into the myth that God has the perfect mate picked out for us, well, you can write this down. It's an important point. See, our focus changes from becoming the mate that God wants us to be to finding the perfect mate for me. See, when we think that God has the perfect person picked out for us, well, then we start looking for perfection and there's none of us that are perfect. I know that was a bit of a rabbit trail and I apologize for that, but I felt like it was important to deal with the perfect mate myth that a lot of people tend to buy into. So when God is the ringmaster of our lives and he's the ringmaster in our family, we allow him to call the shots because we belong to God. And because we belong to God, we're going to honor God with our marriage and in our marriage. We're going to do marriage God's way. And the way that begins is with this scripture in Ephesians 5. And it says this, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Can you imagine being in a marriage where the wife puts the needs of her husband first and the husband puts the needs of his wife first? How would that marriage bring attention to God? The scripture that we just read calls us to submit to one another. But then it goes on and it gives this application of each role and what it looks like for that person to submit. And I want to continue looking at that. And so it goes on to say in verse 22, it says, Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, Love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In this way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. We love what it says about our spouse's responsibilities, but hate what it says about our own responsibilities. Listen, this principle, this scripture, does not work in a culture without God or a culture that doesn't know God. See, our human nature naturally fights to do as we please. We tend to get hung up on the language that's used for men as well as women. In the first century church, who this was written to, this was a crazy idea. The fact that men would put their wives first was crazy and unheard of. Something undoable. It offended all the men. And in today's world, to say that women need to submit to their husbands is just as crazy. Try reading that scripture on The View TV show. It doesn't work. Try reading that scripture at an abortion rally. It doesn't work. So here's the way this works and the reason it works, and you can write it down. Submission to each other flows out of our submission to God. If there's no submission to God, there's no submission to one another. Our ability to be willing to submit to anyone is a byproduct of our submission to Jesus. 
So if we're going to mutually submit to one another, then we mutually have to be submitted to God. Ephesians 5 says this, Submit to one another out of reverence, your worship, your honor, and your submission for Christ. Really quick, let's just look at what submission is not, because there's a lot of misinformation out there. There's a lot of misunderstandings about what submission looks like. Submission does not mean that a wife is made to be her husband's doormat, or she should blindly do whatever her husband tells her to do. It doesn't mean that she's less valued by God or that she should stay in an abusive relationship. It doesn't mean that she doesn't have an opinion, that she can't have an opinion, or that she can't share her opinion. It doesn't mean that she can't make a decision. And it certainly doesn't mean that her husband is always right. And submission never means that a wife follows her husband into sin or has to do something that she feels uncomfortable with. See, submission encourages her husband to lead the family. She shares her heart, her knowledge, and her wisdom, but she doesn't demand her way. The truth is neither husband nor wife demand their own way. In fact, a husband is smart if he listens to his wife because she has discernment in areas that he does not. Here's what submission acknowledges, and it's this. Submission acknowledges that it's not about me. I choose you over me. I choose your preference over my preference. And here's a couple of simple keys of application that you can write down. First of all, wives, respect your husband even when he doesn't deserve it. A lot of times we're willing to submit when our spouse deserves it. Wives can't wait for their husbands to earn their respects, just like a husband can't wait for his wife to earn his love. You might be thinking, come on, Dave, how can I give respect if he hasn't earned it? We do it all the time. If you work in retail, then you understand that the customer is always right. And even if they act like a jerk, you still treat them with respect. If you've been in the military, then you understand how you treat leaders with respect, whether you agree with them or not, whether they're jerks or not. We're able to give respect even though people have not earned it. I would say it this way. Wives, don't make your husband earn your respect. Treat them as if they deserve your respect. And here's why this is important. You can write it down. Men respond best to respect. It's the way God made them. A man's greatest need is respect. Here's another key application. Husbands, love your wives. Your role is to serve her, not to be served by her. Some guys think that they're king and the family exists to serve them. Not if you're a Christian, that's not true. Because as followers of Christ, Jesus said this, for even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. That's your objective. Remember, guys, your objective is to love your wife as Christ loves the church. To sacrifice for her needs. To take the initiative and love her first. And the reason this is so important is this. Women respond to love. It's how God made them. Their greatest need is love and security. If you'd like to learn more about man's greatest needs and women's greatest needs, there's a great book by John Egrich. It's called Love and Respect. I would encourage you to look it up. A woman responds to love. That's why she could sit and watch a Hallmark movie that is completely predictable and one that she's seen 20 times because love speaks to her soul. Jesus teaches us about love. He says the whole law is summed up in love. 
love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Then he goes into other parts and he says, love your enemies. It is love, love, love. And remember, God is love and he lives within us as believers. So, so write this down. See, the love that fills us has to get shared through us. When God fills us, he gets shared through our attitudes, our actions, and our words, and our time. The love of God in us has to get shared through us. So here's an important question to ask yourself. I think this is just such a great question in a marriage. What does love require of me? Because God is love, what does love require of me? How has the love in you been expressed through you today to your spouse? Not because they deserve it, but because we are submitted to each other. Because we are putting their needs first, because it's not about me, it's about we. And submission is an expression of love. I think 1 Corinthians 13 gives us a great picture of what submission looks like. We see it through the lens of love, but I want you to look at it through the lens of submission to your spouse. When it says this, love is patient and kind, it's never jealous or envious, never boastful or proud, never haughty or selfish or rude. Love does not demand its own way. It is not irritable or touchy. It does not hold grudges and will hardly even notice when others do it wrong. It is never glad about injustice, but rejoices whenever truth wins out. If you love someone, you will be loyal to him, no matter what the cost. You will always believe in him. You will always expect the best of him and always stand your ground in defending him. Do you hear the submission in that? Putting my spouse before me, looking out for them rather than looking out for myself. I want to look at a few choices that we can make that really displays our submission to one another. But it also is a reflection of, of God and his love for us. And our first choice is this. We choose to never give up on each other. This is a big choice because marriage is hard work. We're in it for the long haul, not until we feel like moving on. We have to remember, just as difficult circumstances are an opportunity for us to connect to God in a greater way, difficult times are also an opportunity for us to draw closer to each other and connect with each other at a deeper level. We can either be looking for a way out or looking for a way to work it out. Part of that passage in 1 Corinthians says this, love never gives up. It keeps going to the end. Love never dies. Love is not something that we walk away from when we have the choice or when things get difficult or when things are hard. I know that in a marriage, divorce happens, but it doesn't have to happen. And when it's in our ability, we have to choose to not allow that to happen. But sometimes divorce is not our choice. And maybe your spouse has walked away. I want to remind you that's not a guilt trip for you to carry. And it should never define your past. In your marriage, I want to encourage you, and I believe that Scripture encourages us to communicate our commitment to each other. We can communicate our commitment to each other because God has modeled that for us. Hebrews 13 tells us, God assured us, I'll never let you down. I'll never walk off and leave you. I would encourage you to communicate that even with your spouse. Another choice in our submission is this. We choose to serve each other. Serving requires sacrificing. How do we sacrifice on a daily basis for our spouse? 
it's not just putting up with nagging or tolerating his piles of clothes, although that can probably be a part of it. Real sacrifice is when we place their needs at the top of our agenda. That's our goal every day, to put their needs above our own. Jesus said this, he says, ask yourselves what you want people to do for you, then grab the initiative and do it for them. When we serve our spouse, we are showing them how important they are to us and we're showing them their priority in our lives. When we put their needs above our own, we are submitting to them. See, when we choose to follow Christ, we understand that sacrifice is the objective of our lives. When we experience Christ, when we surrender ourselves to Christ, when we embrace Christ, we understand what sacrifice means and how Jesus has modeled this sacrifice for us. Listen to the scripture. It says this in Ephesians. It says, be full of love for others, following the example of Christ who loved you and gave himself to God as a sacrifice to take away your sins. God expressed his love to you in his sacrifice for you. And I would encourage you as a spouse to allow sacrifice to be a part of your expression of love and submission to your spouse. See, when we sacrifice, our love reflects God. One last choice that shows our submission to one another, and that's this. We choose to protect. When we choose to protect, we're saying, I will always have your back. When everyone turns their back on you, I will be there to support you and to believe in you and to encourage you because that's what love does. Protection means that I'm going to defend you with my words. I'm going to support your dreams. I'm going to consider your needs to be my responsibility. I will be a shield for you when I see things coming at you that I know is going to hurt you. I choose to bring out the best and to look for the best in you. See, a true friend does not broadcast faults and failures, but rather boasts of the strengths that they see. Proverbs 17 says, Love prospers when a fault is forgiven, but dwelling on it separates close friends. Listen, our submission to one another is a choice to protect one another. Listen, we can choose to submit to our spouse every day, not because they deserve it, but because it's our worship to God. If you want to have a godly marriage in your life, it's got to be based on God. God has to fill your life. He has to fill your marriage. It has to be based on Him. And if you don't have God in your life, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, if you've not accepted what Jesus has done on the cross for your behalf to take away your sins, if you've not made your life about God and made God the center of your life, there is no way that you can have a marriage that honors God without God. And I want to encourage you, what you can do today is make God the center of your life and allow God to develop in you and make your life what He wants it to be, but also make your marriage what He wants it to be. We live in a world that submission is not a popular subject. It doesn't work in this culture that we live in. But we can experience it in our homes when we've experienced it in our hearts when we've submitted ourselves to God. And I want to encourage you to do that. I want to pray with you today if I can. Heavenly Father, we come to you and just full of gratitude in each person listening. And I know that as you know them intimately and those that want relationship with you, I ask that you would step in, that you would shape their lives and shape their hearts and that you would step in to their lives and make their lives about you. Help them, Father, as you forgive their past, as you bring strength into their lives and establish purpose in their lives. Father, 
we all surrender ourselves to you. We submit ourselves to you. We put you first before ourselves. And Father, I ask that you would help us also to do that in our marriage, that you would help us to put our spouse first, that we can live submitted to one another. Father, I ask that you would help wives to submit to their husbands, but I also ask that you would help husbands to love their wives as Christ loves the church, that we would love sacrificially. Father, I ask that you would do a miracle in our marriage and make our marriages about you. Father, give our marriages strength as we pursue you. Father, I ask that you would bring us closer to one another. And Jesus, we ask this in your name. Amen. Submission is not just a, a difficult subject. It's difficult to apply. There's a lot of learning curves. There's a lot of trial and error. There is a lot of failures that we get up, we keep going. There's a lot of forgiveness that's required when our spouse makes mistakes. When they don't necessarily submit the way that we would like to see, we forgive. We continue to submit not because they deserve it. It's out of our reverence and our worship to God. Because the Spirit of God lives in us, He moves us to submit to each other, to forgive one another and to love one another. Man, I want to encourage you to take those steps. And as I say every week, I want to encourage you to get into a connection group because when you step into a connection group and you step into a group with people, the small group where people are praying for you and encouraging you, we find the strength that we need in our marriage and in our home as people come alongside us and they walk with us and they pray with us and they encourage us. If you're not in a connection group, I want to encourage you to get into one. And that you would scan the QR code. That QR code will help give you information about connection groups at our church that we would love for you to participate in. I also want to thank you for your financial gifts and how you bless the quest and continue to bless the quest as we move forward with the vision that God has given to us. Thank you for your faithfulness. I just want to say thank you for that. If you want to give online, also you can do that as you scan the QR code. If you need prayer in your life, I want to also encourage you, scan the QR code. It allows you to connect with us. We need people to pray with us. If you need prayer, we would love to do that. Listen, it's a privilege to have you with us. It's a privilege to do life with you in this manner. Thank you for being with us today. We hope that you have a great rest of your day and the rest of the week. God's best to you. Bye-bye.